The next four Wednesdays, we're going to hear the book of Ruth, one chapter at a time. So our reading this evening is Ruth chapter 1. In the days when the judges ruled, there was a famine in the land, and a man of Bethlehem in Judah went to sojourn in the country of Moab, he and his wife and his two sons. The name of the man was Elimelech, and the name of his wife, Naomi. And the names of his two sons were Malon and Kilion. They were Ephrathites from Bethlehem in Judah. They went into the country of Moab and remained there. But Elimelech, the husband of Naomi, died, and she was left with her two sons. These took Moabite wives. The name of the one was Orpah, and the name of the other, Ruth. They lived there about ten years, and both Malon and Kilion died, so that the woman was left without her two sons and her husband. Then she arose with her daughters-in-law to return from the country of Moab, for she had heard in the fields of Moab that the Lord had visited his people and given them food. So she set out from the place where she was with her two daughters-in-law, and they went on the way to return to the land of Judah. But Naomi said to her two daughters-in-law, Go return, each of you, to her mother's house. May the Lord deal kindly with you, as you have dealt with the dead and with me. The Lord grant that you may find rest, each of you, in the house of her husband. Then she kissed them, and they lifted up their voices and wept. And they said to her, No, we will return with you to your people. But Naomi said, Turn back, my daughters, why will you go with me? Have I yet sons in my womb that they may become your husbands? Turn back, my daughters, go your way, for I am too old to have a husband. If I should say I have hope, even if I should have a husband this night and should bear sons, would you therefore wait till they were grown? Would you therefore refrain from marrying? No, my daughters, for it is exceedingly bitter to me for your sake that the hand of the Lord has gone out against me. Then they lifted up their voices and wept again. And Orpah kissed her mother-in-law, but Ruth clung to her. And she said, See, your sister-in-law has gone back to her people and to her gods. Return after your sister-in-law. But Ruth said, Do not urge me to leave you or to return from following you. For where you go, I will go. And where you lodge, I will lodge. Your people shall be my people and your God my God. Where you die, I will die. And there will I be buried. May the Lord do so to me, and more also, if anything but death parts me from you. And when Naomi saw that she was determined to go with her, she said no more. So the two of them went on until they came to Bethlehem. And when they came to Bethlehem, the whole town was stirred because of them. And the women said, Is this Naomi? She said to them, Do not call me Naomi. Call me Mara, for the Almighty has dealt very bitterly with me. I went away full, and the Lord has brought me back empty. Why call me Naomi when the Lord has testified against me, and the Almighty has brought calamity upon me? So Naomi returned, and Ruth the Moabite, her daughter-in-law, with her, who returned from the country of Moab. And they came to Bethlehem at the beginning of of the barley harvest. O Lord, have mercy on us. Thanks be to God. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. They came to Bethlehem at the beginning of the barley harvest, and this last verse of the first chapter of Ruth really sets up the question for the whole of the book. 
Bethlehem. The name of Bethlehem means house of bread. Now, at the beginning of the barley harvest, when Ruth and Naomi return to Bethlehem, will they find any bread there? Will they find hope? Will they find a future? And more generally, the question is this. Will the curses, the curses of sin that they have been experiencing in their lives, will those curses prevail? Or will God's blessing prevail? Will Naomi have a pleasant life, as her name means, or will her life be a life of bitterness, as Marah means? Now, the reason why this question even comes up, will there be bread in Bethlehem? Will the curses prevail? It comes up because there's been a mess, a mess for a long time among the people of Israel. It's noteworthy that Ruth and Orpah, who marry the sons of Naomi, they are Moabite women. Now, the Moabites have a sordid history. They're the descendants of Lot, but by an unconventional means. Lot left the city of Sodom when God was preparing to rain down fire and sulfur on the city. Lot left the city and fled to the wilderness. And his two daughters went with him. His wife, of course, turned back and looked over her shoulder and turned into a pillar of salt. Lot is hiding out in the wilderness with his two daughters, and they realize that there are no men for them to marry, no husbands for them to have. And they're beginning to feel the weight of the curse, the curse of fruitlessness. How will our father have any offspring to follow him, they say to themselves. And so they come up with a plan. It's an awful plan. They get their dad drunk, and they sleep with him. And they both become pregnant by their father. And that's where the Moabites come from. They come from this incestuous relationship between Lot and his daughter. It's a terrible story, and it is the source of a lot of mess. And here, the family of Naomi and Elimelech, they get themselves into that mess. The two sons marry Moabite women. Now, of course, of course, the problem, the mess, really starts long ago. Because the reason why the daughters of Lot were concerned about fruitlessness is because that's a part of the curse Back in the Garden of Eden, in pain, you will have children. In pain, you will bear children for your husband. Just like the curse for Adam was, by the sweat of your brow, the earth will bring forth fruit. Fruitlessness was a part of the curse. Not just the fruit of the womb, but even now, the fruit of the ground. There was no bread. There was a famine. It was a mess. A mess that afflicted the people from the beginning. So that there was murder already in the next generation after Adam and Eve. Cain killed his brother Abel, depriving his parents of their offspring. And even throughout history, Jacob's wives had lots of children, but Jacob lost his wife Rachel in childbirth. While she was delivering her second son, she died. And she called his name Ben-Oni, son of sorrow. Ben-Oni. She died and was buried In Ephrath, that is Bethlehem, the house of bread. She was buried there in her sorrow. Of course, you know that Ben-Oni did not remain Ben-Oni. When Jacob saw him, he called him Benjamin, son of my right hand. Because Jacob believed that in spite of the curses, in spite of this sorrow, in spite of fruitlessness, his God was a good God and a faithful God. And so he had a son in his old age who was not a son of sorrow, but a son of his right hand. 
It's that mess that we're in right now, however, Ruth and Naomi, a mess of fruitlessness. There's no hope for their future. There's no sons for Ruth and Orpah to marry, and there's no hope for Naomi to have any offspring. And the question is this, will the curses prevail? Will God, who has promised good things to his people, will he keep his promise? Elimelech, Naomi's husband, that name means, my God is the king. Is he a good king? Or is he a bad king? Is he a faithful king who helps? Or is he a king who ruins things for his people, who takes advantage of them and destroys them? What kind of a king is he? Is there bread in Bethlehem? When Naomi arrives and the people recognize her, and they call her by name, they say, here she is back from the land of Moab. Naomi, we know who you are. She says, don't call me Naomi. My life is not pleasant. Call me Marah, for my life is bitter. And she says this about her Lord. She says, why should you call me Naomi when the Lord has testified against me and the Almighty has brought calamity upon me? Now, it's a little unclear whether Naomi is in despair or whether she's just voicing her grief, but it sounds like she's accusing God of being Satan, the one who is an adversary, the one who brings calamity and evil upon God's people. She wonders whether God is good whether her God is the king, a good king or a wicked king. She wonders whether the curses will prevail or whether there will be bread in Bethlehem. But notice this. Naomi refuses to be called Naomi. She insists that they call her Marah. And that is unlike any other story in the Bible where somebody receives a different name. Usually the name comes from God. Who is she to change her name? If her name is pleasant, then so it will be. Her life is meant to be pleasant, not because everything is comfortable and easy all the time, not because she can dodge the effects of the curse, but her life is pleasant because God is faithful, because God does deliver on his promises, because God, even when he appears to be an adversary, and even when he brings calamity on his people, even then, the Lord is good. He is a good and just and righteous king. He's a king who sacrifices for his people, who goes with them wherever they are, and who has promised to bring them out of all trouble. This is a question that you and I face at various points in our lives. Sometimes it's more in our face. Sometimes it's starker than at other times. But this is the question. Will the curses prevail? That is, will death and the grave win? Now, we know the Easter answer to that question. Christ is risen. The death, the grave can hold no longer any power over any of us because Christ has won. But our lives, our lives are filled with experiences of the curse. Fruitlessness and sorrow, grief and loss and pain. Where is the victory? Where is our king? Is our God the king who reigns or is he the adversary? We are meant not to trust our eyes, not to trust our experiences, but instead to listen to who God is. And what he has done. And this is the great delight of the story of Ruth. I won't spoil the ending for you if I tell you that everything works out in the end. Not only for the good of Ruth and Naomi, but in fact, for the good of you and me. This story is our story in more ways than one. Because God is faithful. And he is good. And there is bread in Bethlehem. There's bread from heaven. Bread from the one who goes with us. From the one who dwells with us. 
from the one who joins his people, from the one who has the same God as his father, the one who dies with us and is buried with us, just as Ruth promised to do for Naomi. Ruth is kind of like Jesus already at the beginning of this story. She says to Naomi, I will be with you to the grave. God forbid, if anything except for death, part me from you. But the story gets better. Ruth, she's just a shadow of a redeemer. And there's a better one coming. And you know him. You know your Savior. You know that he is here to give you every good thing. You know that he will go with you day in and day out. You know that he will provide for you. You know that he gives you his own flesh for food. And he gives you his own life so that you can be fruitful and full of joy. Put your trust in him. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen.